On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Throw-In Independent.ie's GA podcast. I'm Will Slattery and we have another great show lined up for you today. A little later on, we'll have John Milan on the line to discuss the weekend's hurling action and I'll be joined in studio by Tipperary ladies footballer Ashling Maloney to discuss all the ladies football action over the weekend. But first, I'm delighted to be joined in studio by Vincent Hogan of the Irish Independent and Conor McKeown of the Herald as we start off with the football. Conor, we'll start off with the Super 8s. Obviously, they got underway in Croke Park over the weekend and it was meant to be football finally having its day after a summer where realistically hurling has dominated the landscape. But it didn't really catch fire, you know, the back-to-back double headers there was a fairly subdued atmosphere at both of the games it didn't get huge audiences so a pretty disappointing start to what was hopefully going to be something really exciting that was hugely disappointing uh, from an entertainment point of view um i actually think that the game that okay i know the galway Kerry game became interesting because of the consequences now that Kerry might face um and the fact that galway have probably probably cemented their status as genuine All-Ireland contenders but I actually thought the game that was the most compelling was the was the Kildare Monaghan game because um, you know it was the game that was actually closest in the mix right up until the very end um, I mean even that wasn't a great spectacle now the weather was a factor the atmosphere in Crow Park was a factor um, and the fact that every team was still going to have two games to salvage something from the year was also a factor but um, look it wasn't the it wasn't the festival of football that the or it certainly wasn't the football version of the provincial hurling championships that maybe we expected. Yeah, Vincent, there was almost a bizarre atmosphere at some of the games. Even Kerry Galway, we had this massive shock. Two of the best teams in the country going head-to-head. But it, it, it did feel like a challenge game. I know the commentary team reflected on it like that. But like, what, 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 what would you put that down to? I think basically the stadium is too big when there's that little crowd there. But also, I mean... The essential flavour of the Super 8s was always going to come with the home and away side of things. And and that's only going to happen now. So, as Connor says, even though it was a, an almost seismic moment, Galway beating Kerry in, in the championship, it's in a largely deserted stadium. And there was just this sense of anticlimax about it. Um, what we're going to get next weekend is going to be entirely different. You have Dublin going to Oma, you have Kerry going to Clonus in a real make-or-break situation for them. And, and the pressure on Eamon Fitzmaurice now, after yesterday, I see him describing Kerry as a work in progress. And I've met loads of Kerry people who are very critical of Eamon and his, his coaching of the team. But he's there since, I think, August 2012. 
And to call this a work in progress, I know there's a lot of y- new young players there, but in an era when Dublin have been so dominant, I think the pressure on him going into Clonus next Saturday, is it Sunday? Sunday, Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoon is going to be extraordinary and it's it's going to make for an absolutely compelling game and that's the essence of what Super 8s were meant to be about, going into Monaghan's den and fighting for your life. So one week overdue, we might finally get that massive spectacle. Yeah, I mean, even Galway going into Newbridge. like Kildare have to come up and try and beat the system now that, that Galway are playing with. So I, I think I think next next weekend could be very compelling. And there's no doubt that Kerry are the big storyline where they're going. They're under a lot of pressure going into Clonus. And it was funny just hearing, like, you know, Colin Cooper saying tactically they were a bit of a mess because we kind of had assumed that they were Dublin's biggest challenger. The young players looked to have bedded in seamlessly. We didn't think we'd have these question marks hanging over them at all. No, I genuinely, now, yesterday morning, I had Kerry as very, very serious All-Ireland contenders. And this morning, you're not sure that they're going to make the semi-finals. Uh, they have a very serious fight on their hand. All the problems that they looked like they'd solved against Cork, um, all the problems that they've had over the last few years, a, a fairly unprolific half-forward line, a lack of pace in their defence, um, they look like they solved all those problems just by bringing in these new players. I think it was seven players who made their championship debuts uh, so far this year. They put a lot of pace in their half-forward line. Uh, they got a lot of scores into their half-forward line. Their defence still looks a little bit sort of imbalanced you're not quite sure who your who your fullback is or who your centre back is but what they look to have is pace like you, like you can get away with most things uh, in Gaelic football as a defender but you can't get away with a lack of pace um, so they look like they were going to get their matchups right but they, they, they just kind of looked lost yesterday in Crow Park um, all those gaps that their full forward line ran into that day in Parky Keefe they didn't exist anymore so there was balls kind of that fairly not aimless balls. They were they were certainly aimed to a part in the pitch, but that part of the pitch was op- occupied by a Galway defender, uh, and Galway re- reeled them in. You know, like Galway looked like the team with the with the greater kind of street smarts about them. Um, like they toughed it out, and the way they finished the game was 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 really really impressive. Like they looked like they had a bit more definition about their game plan than Kerry did. And as soon as it started raining, Vincent, you know, on Sunday morning, I just really thought it would play into Galway's hands with with the style of they go about it, and they really did dictate terms. You know, it was. Like it wasn't like a quick open game that maybe Kerry would have liked. It, it was really a slugfest, and Galway really dominated in those exchanges. Yeah, but the surprise was that Kerry knew it was going to be that kind of a game against Galway. I mean, they've played them already this year, and and I think you've got to hand it to Kevin Walsh. I mean, there's a lot of pious stuff going on about how poor a game it was aesthetically. Um, to the best of my knowledge, Galway GA don't get any grant from the Minister for the Arts, just Joseph Madigan, for playing beautiful football. And you saw all the images of their supporters in the stand when they got the goal yesterday, which nailed that first victory over Kerry in so many years. Their supporters aren't interested in marks for artistic impression that the Joe Brawleys are, are, you know, are, are suggesting they should be. They don't have this broad responsibility to entertain. Kevin Walsh, like him or not, has built a team that, as Connor says, you've got to say they are in the All-Ireland equation now and they look like they have a great chance of making the semi-finals. And as we saw with Kerry, who had steamrolled Clare and Cork in Munster, someone said to me yesterday, you know, the Munster Championship almost has junk bond status now because it just, what, what did it represent? It represented absolutely nothing. And Kerry have these wonderful young players. I, I thought Sean O'Shea, to be fair, 
was probably hugely affected by the, the leg break of Paul Conroy, that he, he collided with Paul Conroy, and, and he never was a factor in the game after that. James O'Donoghue was marked out of it completely, non-event in, 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 in the game. Clifford is a very, very exciting guy. 1-5. 1-5, one 1-4 one from play. But Kerry set up with a sweeper. Mm-hmm. So... You know, this all singing, all dancing thing that we have, they're going to be the next Harlem Globetrotters. I'm sorry, in the real world, that's not the case. And, and you could see that Fitzmaurice knew they were going in against a serious outfit yesterday. And I agree totally with Connor that the coherence of the game plan that Galway brought was miles ahead of what Kerry brought. And I, I think Kerry are in a spot of bother now, and that's what makes Clonus next weekend hugely interesting. And that's twice twice the name of Fitzmaurice tactically has been beaten on the line in two big games in Crow Park. Last year in the All-Ireland semi-final replay as well, left his full-back com- line completely exposed. Uh, Mark Griffin and um, Shane Anroy got torched that day. And yesterday, the exact same thing. Like, like tactically, Kerry looked like they were beaten. Um, and that's not going to go down it's well. three bad days in a row in yeah. Crow Park for them, yeah. And if, do you think there'll be changes? It'll be interesting to see if he keeps faith with all these young players. That was the first blip they've had. Everyone thought they were going so well. I heard a few Kerry people saying, oh, should they have used Kieran Donaghy yesterday? Would Darren O'Sullivan be prominent? Like, Do you think he could bring in some of the old guard to try to short things up? Or would that be another backward step, perhaps? Well, like if Kieran Donaghy's on your squad, like you know, you have an intention to use him. And I couldn't think of a game that was more tailor-made for Kieran Donaghy than yesterday. Because at a, at a stage in the game, when all the avenues were being closed up, where all of Kerry's runs were being bottled up, where they were being met fero- with ferocious physicality, like the outlet of having somebody very close to the goal, standing on the end line, making that run to the edge of the square, and even if it's just been broken kindly to one of the Kerry inside forwards, that's a huge thing to have. So if Kieran Donaghy was fit yesterday, if he was fit to play any part in the closing stage of that game, I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to hear a coherent explanation for why he wasn't used, because, I mean, I, you know, I can understand maybe Darren O'Sullivan, Darren O'Sullivan great at straight line running, but if there's no gaps to run through, you're not going to be able to get much off it uh, and particularly on a wet day when you know your acceleration is probably muted a small bit but uh, the Donaghy one now I think is uh, was slightly baffling and now they face into a must win game in Clowns against the Monaghan team who won their first quarter final game since the 1980s uh, it was a you know a good performance not a, maybe a great performance Kildare I think people were expecting a bit more from them after some of their recent performances but w- would you would you be happy from a Monaghan perspective like with the way they played Oh, I think 100%. I think, to be fair, Maliki O'Rourke did allude to the fact that their bad record in quarterfinals was more down to getting Tyrone after already beating them in the, Munster, in, in the Ulster Championship or coming up against Dublin, who are arguably one of the best teams that ever ever played the game. Um, just winning was the only important thing for Monaghan yesterday. And they were coming in against a Kildare team that had huge momentum. And Kildare got that early goal and you're thinking, well, Monaghan, we're going to see what you're made of now. I, I, no more than Galway. Monaghan were not in the entertainment industry yesterday. They just had to get out alive. And they now are set up for a home game against Kerry. I think the place will be packed. There'll be some atmosphere about it. And that's going to be some game to watch. Yeah, Conor, it sounds like you'd you'd give them a good chance of beating Kerry next weekend. Absolutely. I thought that they were really, really... like They they had Kildare kind of where they wanted them at halftime. They were two points up when a two-point lead at halftime was was a pretty big thing because I think yesterday was Kildare's fifth game in or fourth game on successive weekends. And you could just see even the Fermanagh game the previous week when they were well ahead, they kind of faded a bit kind of physically or they looked kind of a bit psychologically drained by having to play so many games. Um, But Kildare brought on 
they brought on Nine Kelly, they brought on David Slattery, Chris Healy, the fellas who gave them a bit of pace the previous week, and still Kildare, or still Monaghan saw it out. Um, they weren't overly reliant on Conor McManus, and Carl O'Connell was absolutely superb yesterday, breaking from deep. So I think Monaghan have a bit of everything. Um, like they're probably not in that All Ireland bracket, but because. Because they've played in Division One for so long, like that, like they're used to Kerry coming to Clonus. This isn't. This is a bigger game for Kerry than it is for Monaghan. Like Monaghan know that they have, that they have another chance after that to make the All Ireland semi-finals. But um, I, I do think it's set up for Monaghan this Sunday. Yeah. And then the other group, Vincent Dublin Donegal was was the big game on Saturday night. Dublin won by five points, four points, but. It wasn't a great performance again. There were still a, a few areas of concern. O'Callaghan and Kieran Kilkenny looked a bit rusty. They missed a lot of chances between them. Obviously, the two goals from Niall Scully were hammer blows and they were kind of on top after that. But you could tell with Jim Gavin's post-match interview, I saw it on television, and, and he was unusually kind of... He was saying, oh, we 100% need, need like double the improvement for next weekend. He didn't seem to be very happy. No, I don't think he... I think that was genuine. Um I think they were as sloppy as I've seen them for a long time. Um, Conor Callan, three goal chances, none taken. And just a sense of complacency about them to a large extent. And then we saw something that I can't remember seeing in modern times, the last 15 minutes, where they just decided to shut up shop and play this possession game. And you hear these olays rolling out across Croker as they just keep the ball. And 40-yard passes directed back towards their own goal or Kieran Kilkenny soloing back to the halfway line and just keeping ball. Now, it didn't make for a spectacle as such, but you have to be a really good team to do what they were doing. And they have that composure in possession that they, they were happy they could keep possession. You could see Michael Murphy particularly was incensed because they were basically, they felt they had a puncher's chance, Donegal did, but you don't have a puncher's chance if the jaw is nowhere to be touched. And that was basically what Dublin did. They just took the ball away and they kept it and they played down the minutes. And on the one hand, while they were so sloppy, they still could do that because they were that much better than Donegal in my view. I thought Donegal would have been, I think Declan Bonner would have been very satisfied with the scoreline. But if you looked at it logically, Dublin could easily have had three or four more goals and one in a canter. And, and I think if they were pushed to up a few gears, I, Dub I think Dublin could have done that. Yeah, Conor, like, what's your read on Dublin? They, they appear to be maybe not as clinical or as efficient as they, as they have been or as good as they were in previous years, but the competition doesn't seem to be near enough to them to trouble them still. No, they're probably still a little... And like I mean, Kerry were the one team that you probably thought had the potential to to challenge them. Now, they might come unstuck against the Galway or even a Tyrone next week in Oma, but um, no, like they're not... They're not as uh, swashbuckling as they once were. Um, like, they, like you know, it's a very simple thing. But Dermot Connolly is their most talented footballer, and he's not there anymore. And without him, um, they're not the same prospect. Albeit Brian Howard was a revelation the other night. I thought he was man of the match. Mm. Um, but just even that keep ball thing at the end. I look back at it yesterday, and I think Michael Murphy scored. Uh, Donegal's final point from a free in the 67th minute, and from that till the 74th minute. Um, I think Donegal had the ball for something like 14 seconds um, and that came after Kevin McManaman was blown for over carrying and Donegal had a quick free that they worked to a scoring chance for Stephen McBrearty so you know Dublin operate off the basis that you know if, if they're leading and they have the ball the opposition can't win so uh, I think they were kind of inviting Donegal to really stretch themselves and press right up the pitch and then they were going to pounce in behind uh, and get a goal or get a score but Donegal didn't really kind of go full court press 
and it's probably a hard thing to do because they were they were chasing shadows because athletically Dublin are really really good but if you look at the guys who handled the ball most during that period of time it was fellas like Johnny Cooper and uh, Kieran Kilkenny the fellas who who are really really assured ball carriers and they kind of did it last year if you remember in the All-Ireland Final off a sideline ball after David Clark kicked it out of play uh, and I think they killed about three minutes that day when it was a real high wire rack they were only a point up and they went back to Stephen Cluxton all the way back through the goal so it, it's clearly something that they've that they've rehearsed because otherwise um, you know, they wouldn't be doing it and from a Donegal perspective I'd be interested to get your opinion I know you were there uh what do you make of Michael Murphy's performance? There was a good debate in the Sunday game last night about where he should be utilised. And in fairness to Michael, he's been playing deep, but in, in Ulster he was on a lot of ball and was his, making a lot of damage in a playmaking role. But against Dublin, he did seem to be on the periphery a bit more than he had been in previous games. So what, what was your reading? Yeah, it's a very basic thing to say, but I mean, there is absolutely cause to say that Michael Murphy should have spent time on the Dublin Square. Like if you looked at the Leinster final, Donny Kingston got an awful lot of joy standing at the edge of the square um, and Murphy is an even better ball winner and, and an even stronger target man. I can understand the rationale for playing him out around the middle, like he is Donegal's best footballer and you want to get your best footballer on the ball as often as possible um, but he was being mar- like he scored two points from play and he was being marked predominantly by James McCarthy and you know athletically like McCarthy would have it over nearly every footballer in the country and he certainly doesn't lack for strength either so like I suppose if you're Declan Bonner and you're you're looking back on it like they couldn't say that they got the maximum out of Michael Murphy and at a time when Paddy McBurty uh, is out and they lack that outlet um, right close to goal they probably could have done with him up there I'm surprised he didn't spend at least some time at full forward but um, I'm sure Dublin would have had a plan for that but like you know Donegal didn't really look like scoring a goal the other night and um, you know with a fella of that strength and that you know, intelligence, you'd imagine they would have put him closer to goal even for the last five, ten minutes. Yeah, Vincent, do you think they should have been a bit more flexible in that regard? I think it's like the old Joe Canning argument with Galway Hurlers that you you, you need two of them mm-hmm. um, because his influence out the field, he, he sets the tone physically um, and he carries the ball into dangerous positions. Yes, you'd love him on the edge of the square, but would the ball be getting to him if he wasn't out there? And uh, I think it's a very difficult one for, for, for Declan Bonner. Um, yes, you'd love him on the edge of the square and high ball coming in, and I don't know how you'd stop him other than fouling him, and there could be penalties to be had or whatever. Um, but it's you're damned if you do and you're, da- you're damned if you don't, really, you know? And it sets up a great game in Oma next weekend, Dublin-Tyrone, because mm. Tyrone looked very impressive, 4-24 against Roscommon. But we've been here before, uh, in the quarterfinal against Armagh last year, they put up a similarly massive total, Dublin were up next, albeit that game was in Croke Park. So it'll be a really good test to see if they have gotten better or evolved, or are, if they are a better match for Dublin than they were a year ago. Yeah, well the narrative about Tyrone for so long is they're over, overly negative, and they've scored 7-44 in their last two games, and they're scoring for fun, and you just, you just have to ask yourself, what have they beaten? I mean, Cork were just lamentable. And I thought the most interesting quotes of the weekend were coming from Kevin McStay after their yeah. hammering on, on, on Saturday. He more or less said, maybe we have to change our philosophy here. You know, that they got all those, these kudos for the way they beat our man, a shootout, basically, and brilliant football. And yet, do you know what? They looked incredibly naive against Tyrone. And the ease with which Tyrone just scored against them now, I thought the goal of the the goal of the weekend was Niall Sludden's goal, the first Tyrone goal, the, the movement, the angle of the running, the finish. Tyrone have this really strong ability running with the ball to hurt you. It's just sometimes 
we don't see it enough. And certainly when they get into the, into the qualifier against Mead, they, they just barely got out of jail by the skin of their teeth. They were very, very lucky that night. And you're kind of thinking, no, they've really, really gone back. And I remember thinking, I, I was away at the McGregor fight when they played Dublin in last year's championship. And I was convinced that of all the teams out there that would get under Dublin's skin, it would be Tyrone. And I was following the game on Twitter and I just saw this accumulation of Dublin scores and I'm just thinking, what's happened to Rowan? Have they, have they not turned up? And in many ways, that's been a shadow over Mickey Hart ever since. And they're going into Oma now, the dubs. Tyrone's record in Oma, is, it's not a fortress. And, you know, Dublin have gone there before and just gone through the motions and, 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 and beaten them. This is a huge night for Tyrone. I think if, if they want to say yes, we're all Ireland contenders, they've got to have a right go at Dublin now. And they can't just play this con- game of containment and lose by three or four points. Because you, you actually feel if you play that game against Dublin, they'll just figure you out. They'll work away. They'll be patient. And they'll win the game. That's why I think Mickey Hardy's a smart man. He knows they've got to have a real go at Dublin here. They've got to rattle Dublin. And, you know, whether you'll have 30 men on the field at the end of it, I'm not sure. But it's going to be compelling. But the Toronto are ten to three in the bookies to win the game, which is a very long price for a team who's just put up that score against Roscommon, who are at home. So well, the bookmakers don't expect them to win anyway. It's probably a reflection of who they're playing. Um, yeah, like it's hard to know. Like last year, it was a big. Like I think the, the biggest disappointment of this summer were were Tyrone. Like you, you felt certain that the way they played, um, like they've about eight players that play around the middle third that have ferocious pace, that carry the ball extremely well, that move and kind of orchestrated movements, and it opens up opposition teams. Um, but last year, when they conceded that early goal off a turnover, when when Conor Callan got in, albeit a brilliant goal, they were chasing the game and they were stretched, and Dublin just systematically pulled them apart. And I think the greatest indictment of, of Tyrone last year was that they'd had no they were completely inflexible tactically like once once the thing that they were going to do didn't work they didn't have another thing to call on um, and if you look at the team okay like Niall Sludden is playing his best ever football he's having a great year I'd be surprised if he didn't finish with an all-star uh, Richie Donnelly's a huge find at full forward albeit probably an accidental one after Mark Bradley and Lee Brennan were in, injured earlier on in the year and they needed an outlet of full forward he's moved from from being a kind of one of the many midfielders that they have he scored one four the other night I think Frank Burns is a really excellent addition to the half back line as well against Cork he, he was he was outstanding so even just in terms of personnel I think they're probably a better team but whether they learned the lessons from last year like we asked Mickey Hart after the game on Saturday against Roscommon he said yeah like he's poured over the game a million times so like you'd imagine that he has taken uh, whatever tactical um, lessons there were to take on board but like what that comes together in on Saturday night is hard to see because it, this isn't going from an All-Ireland quarter-final into an All-Ireland semi-final where you have three weeks to put together a game plan and hone it and practice it. Like, Tyrone have to turn this around in the space of a week and, um, like, on the base, like, you know, they scored 4.24. I think they've averaged over 24 points in their championship matches this summer. They're actually the most prolific team in the country on average over the last two years, despite the reputation that they regularly get put with. But, like, this is the one for them. They have to go and beat a big team and, you know, like, who better to beat than Dublin? But I, I don't think the Oma thing is, is a big a factor as people are making out. I think I think the game that Tyrone play, I think they'd be almost as comfortable playing that game in Crow Park as they would be in Healy Mickey Park. Mickey Hart has more or less said that, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, think, yeah. I think the way they play, 
I think Crow Park kind of suits their game. And uh, you know, it's funny for all the arguments about Dublin using Crow Park as their home venue or as is a neutral venue. I think if you ask Kerry or you ask Tyrone, if you ask the really big teams, they never really see Crow Park as Dublin's home venue. They always see Crow Park as the place where you you play the big games and you win the big teams. And Vincent, the last Super Rights game of the weekend, Ross Cowan versus Donegal and Dr. Hyde Park. And you mentioned Kevin McStay's interesting comments after the game because he said that like next weekend it'll almost be playing for pride. It's almost as if in his mind their their challenge is already over. But if they do beat Donegal, it would restore pride and give them something to play from the last weekend. But with Dublin and then on the horizon of Croke Park, it does look like it's kind of just to see if they can salvage something from this Super H campaign. Yeah, I think the big worry for, for Kevin now is their concession of goals. The, all the big games they're playing, going right back even to the Mayo replay last year, they conceded four. They conceded four against Cavan in the Division Two final this year. And, you know, he doesn't have time to change the philosophy now between now and next weekend. So, And I think he probably is realistic to know, are they going to go into Croke Park in their last game and beat the Dubs? Well, that would be the turn-up of the the year, if not the decade, if they do that. It's highly unlikely. So, yeah, they've got to go in and do something against Donegal. I think if they can come out with a win, well, their year has been a decent enough year. But I, I admire his honesty because he more or less said, you know, I'm not judged on entertainment. I, I'm judged on results. And maybe I have to look at myself and maybe we all have to look at ourselves. And he's more or less committed to having that conversation with himself over the winter. So it's, it's, it's a game for pride, largely, I think, for us coming at the weekend. It's interesting, Connor, that like, as Vincent mentioned earlier, they were lauded for that great game against Armagh, but now it looks like that Kevin McStay has kind of acknowledged that maybe they can't win or they can't progress playing such an, an attacking style. Yeah, and it's not just that group of players. Like, that's a traditional Roscommon thing. Like, they would always consider themselves to be, you know, part of the part of the elite uh, even when they weren't you know going by the going by results and they would have always have played football that way there was a, they would always have had the footballers to play that way like you can't think of a Ross common team in the last 30 years even when they weren't particularly competitive they didn't have at least one but usually three or four outstanding inside forwards and they have that at the moment um but you know the problem is they're leaving themselves very vulnerable to the top teams they've shipped very very big beatings to the biggest teams over the last few years um, and you know like you know they could get one in Crow Park on the last day against Dublin so yeah like it's like it, if you think of Roscommon in your head you'd never consider them to be one of the teams that will have to change their philosophy change their style to be competitive but that's the reality I think that Kevin McStay is facing because he's been there a while now they've been in Division 1 They've won a Connacht title. They've done most things, but they seem to have had a glass ceiling. And, you know, if Kevin McStay is saying that if he's speculating or toying with going down that road, you can be certain that he, he has exhausted every other avenue. So, Vince, we might finish up with some predictions. Saturday, we have Roscommon, Donegal, and we have Dublin, Tyrone. How do you see those games going? I think the Dubs will win in Oma. Um, Roscommon, Donegal is the hardest one to call, but I, I think for Declan Bonner, he will feel if they can get a result there... They would fancy their chances mm-hmm. against Tyrone in the last the last round. You know, typical Ulster rivalry. Why not? So, just on the basis, they may feel they've more to play for here. I, I go for Donegal to win that one. What about you, Connor, for Saturday's fixtures? Uh, I yeah, I probably just about think Dublin will win in Alma. Uh, I think it'll be very close though. I was at the league game there earlier on this year, and again, Dublin kind of figured it out. Um, and uh, what was the other game? Uh, Roscom Donegal. No, I still think Donegal will win that. I think I think Donegal just have the 
I just think defensively they're better than Roscommon and I think they can hurt them sporadically um, I think Donegal will probably win that one yeah. and then Sunday Kildare Galway and Newbridge and Monaghan carrying Clonus well now that the momentum is gone for Kildare and the Newbridge or nowhere <laughs> edge is, 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 is probably dissipated a little just looking at Galway yesterday there was something very very composed about them they know exactly what they're doing they know their game plan I think they're really hard to play against they're certainly really hard to put up a score against so I think they'll just they'll, they'll just suffocate Kildare I think they'll have too much for them and Monaghan and Kerry oh like this is this is the <laughs> game of the weekend and it's again it's hard to call because I think Monaghan no, no more than Galway Monaghan defensively very assured they know what they're doing they'll be very very difficult to score against I just think we can't we can't have been completely misled by this Kerry team I think they have exceptional young players I think James O'Donoghue will be on a mission to put in a big performance. He's well capable of it. I think Sean O'Shea will probably play much better if they get something similar out of Clifford. And you know, O'Donoghue is such a he's, he's a unique option off the bench for them if, if they can't play football the way they want to play football. So I just think there's so much pressure on Kerry going in there. I think they'll get out of jail and I, I, I think they'll, they'll be still alive coming out of Clonus. And Connor? Well, yeah, well, I think Galway win a Newbridge um, you know, this is, I think, five, five weeks in a row for Kildare and they just, like, they'll be waking up this morning thinking to themselves, well, we're going to have to beat Galway and Newbridge and we're probably going to have to beat Kerry and Killarney to make an All-Ireland semi-final of it. And I think that kind of takes its toll on players, kind of, their energy for this sort of a fixture, whereas Galway know that they can seal it this weekend. So, um, and look, I think Galway are probably a better team than Kildare. They, they, you know, they're able to find their scores a little bit easier than Kildare have because Kildare got bottled up a lot against Monaghan. And I, I actually think Monaghan will beat Kerry on Sunday. Um, just going on the most recent evidence now, the most obvious thing in the world might happen and Kerry come out and win that game and qualify for an All-Ireland semi-final. But I think what happened to Kerry against Galway, there is every chance that the exact same thing can happen to them against Monaghan and Clonus. And I think Monaghan are due a big one. I know they got their big results in Crow Park yesterday, but it's, you know, they're, like they're due a big result in the All-Ireland series. Uh, I think I've had two losses to Tyrone and two losses to Dublin, you know, in the All-Ireland quarterfinals over the last 10 years. Uh, and I think this is uh, this could be the one when they when they kind of finally shock the world. Well, thanks for those predictions, lads, and we'll move on to hurling. And, and Vincent, before we get into the All-Ireland Hurling quarterfinals, I'd like to just get your opinion on, on the championship as a whole, because I know when I had you in a couple of months ago, before the start of the championship, we were speculating about what the new format would bring to the summer and, and what um, how it might play out. And I think everyone's almost been surprised about how exciting it's been. Yeah, well, I was against it originally. I didn't think there was any need for it, certainly in Munster, where we have five counties very evenly matched, but it was sensational. You'd have to say it was terrific. Um, I've been saying to people, like, if you, if you factor in the injuries Waterford had, um, if you took them away and you replayed the whole Munster Championship in a month's time, you could easily have a Waterford tip final. It, they were that closely matched, and some of the games were sensational. And, and I suppose in the context particularly of how flat the football has been so far, um, the hurling has stood out a mile. It's it's been a terrific championship. Yeah, it's funny, Connor. This was meant last week. It was meant to be the football's chance to shine with the Super Age back-to-back double headers in Croke Park. On paper, it looked like you know it's going to be a great weekend. But I think everyone came away talking about that Kenny Limerick game instead. It was hurling at the forefront once again. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think you know partly that's because the game was so good between uh, Kilkenny and Limerick, and because we had a result that kind of I know. 
you know, it, it's still a big result, Limerick beating Kilkenny in the championship, you know, it's still it's still probably not what a lot of people have expected, but uh, there was a lot of factors that went into the, the football over the weekend being very, very poor. Um, I think there was probably an, an, a natural caginess that came with the fact that all the teams would have a safety net, as in they would have two more games. But also, you know, I, I'm not one of these people that doesn't think that matches should be played in Crow Park. You know, we're trying to move everything out of Crow Park, but maybe that first round of games shouldn't be played in Crow Park because, um, because nobody, because the consequences aren't huge for all the teams involved, because nobody's going to be knocked out over that weekend. The interest levels were very, very um, low. Uh, the attendances were very, very low. Um, and what you had was a lot of people leaving after the first game before the second game. So even the attendances didn't really reflect how many people were in the stadium. And when you have football matches of that those kind of style um, and with those low levels of excitement in a big massive stadium um, that's not three quarters full, you just don't get for you don't get for the sort of excitement that we've seen almost well every single week so far in the Hurling Championship. Yeah, and it was in stark contrast to what was happening in Seville Stadium. I bring in John Milan now, John. I know you've been talking about the Limerick team and their potential over the course of this championship and they were kind of off the radar for the last couple of weeks after not featuring in the Munster final and then playing, you know, Carlo in that preliminary quarter final but we really got to see, you know, them coming of age yesterday in Turles, especially after conceding that late goal and it looked like we'd seen this one before. Yeah, and I suppose, look, we were all going off the, the Clare game, their last game up in Ennis. Uh, but look, after the Tipperary game, the Tipperary game, they were they were sensational against Tipperary, and then they, they followed it up with a with a terrific performance then against Cork, and then they were they were they were excellent against uh, Waterford. And I suppose look, we were probably probably judging them um, on the Clare game, and you know the Clare game teams probably didn't go their way; they were probably out three weekends in a row, looked very flat. And I suppose you know Sean Finn went off that day, and then you had Tom Condon going off on a red card, but I had to rejuggle things around. And I don't think they started with their best fifteen uh, the day against Clare. And I think yesterday they went back to their went back to their, their set fifteen, their best fifteen on the field. And then you had yeah, they they brought in the uh, Peter Casey, Shane Dowling and William O'Donoghue. And that's that's not even before we even go to the likes of Barry Murphy who came on and, and, and done the business against Tipperary. So I think it's it's Exciting times for for uh, Limerick hurling. I think it, yesterday was a massive win from the first time in forty five five years, and a lot of people were saying that it's it's nearly better to, to to beat Kilkenny than to push on and 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 win a monster title. And I think it's 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 I think Lim, this this Limerick project is only going to is on the upward curve. It's going to grow and grow and grow. And themselves in Cork is set up for a cracker. And and I'll tell you one thing. The Cork and Limerick fans, they want to get booking their tickets now because I'd say we're going to go close to a sellout for, for that game because, you know, go back to last year, Cork, they nearly brought 50,000 to, to Crow Park against War for last year and I, I think something similar. I think the Limerick supporters are really going to get behind this team and I think we've we have a potential uh, a cracker uh, in, installed for, for, for two weeks' time between Cork and Limerick. Well, Vincent, there's no doubt that the Limerick project is really exciting and they're going in the right direction. And, and I know you were in Thurless yesterday. Like, what stood out to you, certainly in, uh, towards the end of the game? What was different this time around that saw them get over there on the right side of one of those tight games against Kilkenny? I think the composure. I think, I think John has hinted at it there. That th th there was, they had every invitation to down tools almost. And, and, and historically, I suppose, the one thing that Limerick have lacked is composure, is that... They, they've tended to be very hot-headed. They've, they've a volatility to them. Their ba the basis of Limerick hurling historically has been fire and aggression and just being in the, the opposition's faces. 
Now, yesterday what we saw was in the 64th minute, Richie Hogan got a goal for a Kilkenny team that you're kind of scratching your head and saying, how in God's name are Kilkenny still in, in touch here? Owen Murphy was magnificent in goals for Kilkenny and save, made so many saves. And here they are, 64th minute, and it's just written all over the script. This is what Kilkenny do, even when they're largely outclassed, in my view. There they were, right at the death, and you're thinking, this, if, if this is the old Limerick, they will buckle now. They didn't. You know, five points to one in the remaining time. The manner of the points, the composure with which they worked the ball into scoring positions, as John said, bringing on Casey, bringing on Dowling, just impact subs. There's something really seriously impressive about them. What we saw happen them I mean, in Ennis, just put that doubt in your mind. Is, there, is, is that fragility there? Is that brittleness still there? I think yesterday we got our answer. It's not. This is a different type of DNA in this team. And the other thing as well is I think of the, the six Limerick forwards that started, was there four, Aaron Galan, Kyle Hayes, Tom Morrissey and Seamus Flanagan, that were all on the 21 team last year. Like mm. They're only just out of 21. And... Um, Peter Casey came off the bench is still under 21 so like it, I, I, you know I know they won't be thinking anything beyond this year because they have a very serious chance of making an All-Ireland final but like to be that good and to respond that well to that hammer blow of Richie Hogan's goal yesterday with so many young players on the pitch like it really really does bode well and John it seems to be set up really nicely for Limerick now for the semi-final I remember after the Munster final we were discussing while it was a great win for Cork a four week layoff to that All-Ireland semi-final Limerick have had two games in, in the meantime and they're just in re red hot form now so like they're almost in a better place even though Cork did win the Munster title yeah, it's it's the perfect it's the perfect uh, run for him, and it's a bit similar to last year with Waterford uh, coming off that win against Kilkenny, and, and Cork find themselves in a in a similar situation where they have the break, the four week break, and then you know they came up against Waterford last year, and it's it's something similar. But I think Limerick, I think you know th th yesterday, they, I think they created nearly close to fifty scoring opportunities. Uh, I mean, they're all our forwards scored. They're they're half hurling. Uh, we're we're created serious scoring opportunities and they scored 10 points between them and they will re they will really fancy it and go back to that Cork game when they played Cork down in down in Parky Cueve they were missing Declan Hannon and they had Galan sent off uh, in, in the first half so they will really fancy it albeit Cork will fancy it as well and I think both teams will, will want to atone for um, past disappointments in Crow Park uh, at the semi-final stage and for me, I, I just like this limited project at the, at the current at the current moment of time. Would you make them favourites for that semi final? I don't. Well, well look, <laughs> it's this one thing. This 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 championship is it's uh, one thing. This championship has been it's been outstanding, and I think it's you know this championship was brought into to counteract the the super eights, and it's just I thought from last year, last year's championship was was, was a great championship, and I didn't think it could it could get any better, but. It's gone. It's gone beyond it for me, and I think, you know, Limerick. Limerick have been a been a great story to to this championship so far, and I just think I would I would give them a great opportunity. And look, it's it's so unpredictable. The, the, the four teams remain at the, the present moment of time. It's it's hard to predict. Uh, it's hard to pr predict any of the two games. But I I think I I would give them a great opportunity, and I, I would I would have fancy, man. 
And this is, one thing I would like to get your opinion on for someone who was at the game was what did you make of the refereeing performance? Certainly, from a Kilkenny perspective, there did seem to be some heavy challenges on their players towards the end of the game that the referee obviously decided to, to let a physical game go. But what did you make of that? Would they have any cause for complaints, you think? Possibly. There was definitely what looked a foul towards the end that wasn't given. There was also... Um, a hand pass from Richie Hogan, which was pulled up as a throw. Now, t to my mind, if you're going to if you're going to impose that rule, you're going to be doing it dozens of times in every game because ne nearly every hand pass is a throw, as far as I can see at the moment. It's something that's not policed, and you could see Richie was furious afterwards, and he was furious largely. I think it probably was a throw, but he's kind of more or less saying, "Well, why me?" You know, it's just not being policed. Uh, look. I just don't believe in picking holes in refereeing performances when you have a game of that intensity. And it was just, it was magnificent. It was from, from start to finish, you're just thinking, Kilkenny particularly, they keep defying the odds. And, and here's a team that, we were in this studio a few months ago and I was talking about Kilkenny potentially being relegation material in the league. They went and won the bloody league. I mean, how did they do that? I don't know. I look at their team sheet and I think if those guys are wearing any other colour jersey, nobody's going to be afraid of them. But what they do is they just have a consistency of appetite and a consistency of, of application every day they go out. It's a huge credit to Cody what he's done here. I don't think if you put those two teams down man for man, side by side, I don't think they have any business actually competing with Limerick at the moment. But they more than competed. They did it to Galway as well. Kilkenny have contributed hugely to this championship. Yeah, Connor. Vincent makes a good point there. I know they're being eliminated at the quarterfinal stage. They would have had all Ireland aspirations, I'd say. But when you look at their season as a whole and where they came from last year, league winners, you know, beating Wexford with a big comeback, you know, drawing with Galway with that massive comeback in the replay, and then the performance on Sunday, like it's it's been a lot of progress. Uh, it has, you know. But um, I think it's is it, it's pretty new territory for Kilkenny to have gone three years under Brian Cody without winning in All Ireland. But you know, if you take it off the evidence that we saw yesterday, um, you know you wouldn't say they're going to be too far away next year. Like, you look at... Like, I thought... He didn't attract a whole lot of um, comment this year, but I thought James Maher in the middle of the park was a huge find for them. Uh, even the drawn game against Galway, um, there wasn't a whole lot made of his performance there, but I thought his energy around the middle and, and his uh, just the cleanness of his striking. And, he, and I think he got three Donnelly points. And Lachie when Donnelly and Lachie as well. And I thought Billy Ryan in the last two games, I know that he missed a lot of chances in the first half, but Kilkenny have struggled. Like, if you look at Kilkenny over the last two years, three years, the number of players that they've tried out in the corners... Um, that haven't quite made it or have had little runs in the team but never really nailed down a position. Billy Ryan was out in front of his man every single time. He was just getting out and getting his hand to the ball. And if he tightened, like if, you know, a, a year of experience and a year more strength and conditioning and, you know, a year more of training at that level and his touch will come in, I think that he's a huge potential there as well. Um, and look, they seem to, like, probably two of the best defenders in the league this year were, were, um, uh, Porrick Walsh and Killian Buckley and they seem to have figured out what they're going to do at number three and number six they have two very very solid options there so and of course the, look again I know we mentioned it already but all Murphy's display yesterday kind of defies comparison it was just I think it was the second save the low one to his feet you know yeah. if you have all Murphy and goals like it must give the rest of the defenders great strength because even if you allow a team in for four or five six goal chances they're only going to get one maybe two at the maximum so yeah like it has been a progressive year for Kenny but the problem is you know it, it's coming after the greatest era of any county in the history of the sport, so it doesn't reflect particularly well when you when you're out of the the championship this early in the season. Yeah, John, how how what would your assessment of Kilkenny be after their championship campaign? Well, I'm going to be straight, and and I'd I'd echo what um, I'd echo what the lads said. I, I thought 
I'd echo what Vincent said. I, I think in all my 20 years of watching Cody, I think the last few weeks have been my most enjoyable of watching, watching Brian Cody. I, I thought, like, 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 Vincent is right. Look look at the Kilkenny team sheet. They, and I was coming out of um, Torres last year at the war for beating Kilkenny and I said, there's no way Kilkenny are going to compete for the next three or four years. And what he got out of Kilkenny the last two weeks has just been, been incredible. And Owen Murphy yesterday... I'm watching her in the last 30 years. I have never seen a goalkeeping performance that will top what Owen Murphy done yesterday in the last 30 years. He was just sens- sensational. He was unbelievable. But going back to Cody, I mean, you think of it. They brought a- another minute against Galway. They could have beaten Galway in the Leinster final. Or even if there was extra time that day, you know, they, they could have beaten Galway in extra time. Last, week- last weekend, I mean, they, they should have packed up and went home at halftime, but Kilkenny, it's not within their DNA to do that. And no other team, no other man would have gotten out of those Kilkenny players what Cody has gotten out of them the last two, two, week, two weeks. And let's go back to the league. I thought if they'd win any title this year of any description, I think it would have been a, a fantastic achievement. He won a league title. And let's be honest about it, there's a strong possibility that Limerick and Galway could be in the All-Ireland final this year. And Kilkenny have pushed him to the pin of their collar the last two weekends. So for me, the last two weekends, I've thoroughly enjoyed what Brian Cody and Kilkenny have brought to the table. And Vincent, there's a last word in this game. What From being in the ground, how would you sum up Owen Murphy's performance? It's not often that you get so excited watching a goalkeeper in action, but like in every game now, he's seemingly pulling off one or two impossible saves. I think if you look at Aaron Galan's reaction in, to the save he made from him in the second half. He just puts his hands to his head. It's, it, it was almost, what do we have to do to beat that man? I mean, Galan's kick in the first half, his reactions. Um, but we've seen this from Owen Murphy for the last couple of years. I couldn't believe he didn't make the shortlist for the All-Stars last year. I mean, some of his performances were Kilkenny were really stretched to the limit. I'm thinking particularly of the, the, um, the league game, the league quarterfinal that Wexford beat them in in Nolan Park. He pulled off such breathtaking saves. You're saying, how did he do that? He scored so, four brilliant points as well against Dublin. Against Dublin. For, and yeah. it, they weren't just four long-range frees. They were impeccably strong. Absolutely. They were a 100-yard frees. And in a game that Kilkenny won by two points, they were vital scores. Yeah. Absolutely vital. He had four shots from in and around 100 yards that day in Parnell Park in a very, very tight game that Kilkenny were behind uh, all the way through and he nailed every single one of them over the black spot. It was, a, it was an impeccable display. I think, I think Martin Brenny makes the point in our paper today that there are four goalkeepers left in the championship but if one of them wants an all-star they're going to have to do something extraordinary to beat Owen Murphy. Mm. And Conor just on the Clare Wexford game now. Clare back in Croke Park now for the first time since they're all on a final replay win in 2013. It was, wasn't was a great game. It never really caught fire when Wexford scored that late goal. It kind of got a bit of a contest for, for a while, but Clare were, were quite comfortable overall. Yeah, technically they just seemed to have uh, Wexford's number. Um, I was looking at it, just looking at the Sunday game two weeks ago at the the replay Leinster final. Uh, Derek McGrath showed a very good piece of analysis where he looked. He showed how Galway played, how they basically ca- had twelve players behind the ball at one stage, um, but they were able to because they were able to win ball up front and they had players breaking onto it at such speed. Um, it was a really effective way of playing that get, get day against Kilkenny and, and Clare basically did the same thing to Wexford. Like they weren't going to be drawn out of the weekend. Uh, they kept certain men forward, and it was a big day for Clare for a couple of Clare players because, like while we'll all be talking about um, 
with Peter Duggan and um, John Conlon this summer, the players from 2013, like the All-Ireland winners from that year, the, the main players haven't really caught fire, but you know, Tony Kelly scored five points the last day. You know, Donald Latine scored four points uh, the other night. And they're the players that they really need to to, to come into form if, if, if they're to go further on here because they've been very reliant on those two players up until now. But as a spectacle now, it didn't really catch fire at all. And Vincent Galway lying wide for Clare now. It's as like their first time back in Croke Park. It's probably the toughest assignment they could have gotten. Um, would you give them a chance of getting an upset there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think... All four teams have a chance now. Um, I still favour Galway. I, I thought the way they reacted to Kilkenny coming back last week was, the, again, no more than Limerick yesterday. It was the mark of a, a really serious team. They showed a lot of composure and the last seven or eight minutes, they just owned the game. And that's what we expected from Galway. We expected them to kick on like that. I, I think, if anything, I would have read a little bit of complacency in them the first day of the Leinster final. They, they just didn't seem to be up to their natural intensity at all. They, they the seemed to be waiting for it to happen. Um, then we saw what they did in the first half in the replay. And Kilkenny being Kilkenny just threw the kitchen sink at them, came back. But look at the last seven or eight minutes. That's the mark of a serious team. I think Clare believe in their own minds that finally getting back to Croke Park in Championship, they could catch fire in there. And, and they may well do. They have a lot of pace in that attack. Uh, Shane O'Donnell, I've, I've watched him a lot this year. He's playing brilliant hurling. And it, and it was great to see him get four points um, on Saturday because I feel he's getting criticised a lot almost for being too unselfish. Laying it off too He's much. almost laying off the ball when he's in scoring positions himself. I think he's a joy to watch. I love watching that guy. Clare definitely have a chance and it, it, it's five years since they were in Croke Park on a championship day. They're going in there with a really positive mindset now. I think Galway will beat them but I wouldn't put my house on it. Yeah, John, what, 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 how would you rate Clare's chances? Uh, five years is such a long time even just reflecting on it now. It, it just seems crazy how it's been that long but now that they're back do you expect, as Vincent says, could they catch fire in Croke Park and, and give Galway a good game? Yeah, well look, I suppose the, the main objective at the start of the year for Clare, if you asked any Clare supporter or, or even asked the, the Clare management team, would have been to get back to Crow Park. Uh, you know, they've probably their, their best memories in Crow Park. I mean, some of those lads, they won an under-21 title back there in 2009. And then they had the, the All-Ireland success with, with Davy in 2013. It's it's a pitch that does suit them. And I think, you know, they have the personnel to, to go and trouble uh, Galway. And as Davy stated after the game, if they go and play their own game, you know, and don't go landing ball down on top of, of McInerney and, uh, you know, Burke, because they'll, they'll just get swallowed up. But if they, if they, use, if they use every acre of the field against Galway, um, Kelly is back on form. Shane O'Donnell, you know, he's back being a predator. Uh, John Collin is a rich vein of form. You know, I mean, the, the weekend we talked about, Limerick, uh, all the clear forwards scored the weekend. And what they have, they have Conor McGrath coming off the, off the, off the bench, Avery Sherrod, Ian Galvin, they have good substitutes coming back. And it's a local derby. Uh, they won't fear Galway. I think they'll relish uh, a crack off, off of Galway. And I, a bit like Vincent, I think Galway, you'd have to favour Galway, but you, you, you wouldn't rule out this Clare team now. And Connor, from a Wexford perspective, it brought to a close uh, what's been a very disappointing championship. You, you know, they, they beat Dublin with a late rally. They had a big lead on Kilkenny and let that slip. Now they're out of the championship. Like... They didn't really catch fire at any stage. No, um, and they looked pr particularly early on in the league like they were going to really improve on last year. That they had uh, that come with fresh energy, um, 
and you know like Rory O'Connor was like looked like he was going to be defined at the year like a brilliant hurler that he is and he had a very good year on his uh, on his first real full uh, senior season but um, they looked like they'd become a small bit predictable um, Clare really looked like they read their game plan well they made sure not to commit too many they, they let them have short puck outs they let them put long balls from their own 21 um, and they clogged up all the space for all their really quick runners um, so they're going to have to find something different next year because um, I don't think they really lacked energy at the weekend they just lacked ideas yeah, Vincent, that was the end of Davy Fitz's second year with Wexford. They were really a breath of fresh air in year one, but have, were they a bit too predictable or was there something missing this year, do you think, that for, they, for them not to kick on again? I think it's something Davy's going to have to look very carefully at if he's going to stay another year. I thought for the second year running, they put an awful lot into the league and, and staying in the 1A was a huge thing for Wexford this year. I, I think they le- it left them a little bit flat for the championship. Every, everyone is obviously going to focus on the sweeper system and, and, and this, is a, this is what really infuriates, I suppose, the likes of Derek McGrath, the likes of Davy Fitz. The problem for Clare, or for Wexford, as I saw it last Saturday night, was that the sharpness of their hurling just wasn't there. Their touch was poor. I thought they were very passive in, in, the, in the collision areas. They, they just, they didn't have the sharpness there and I don't think it, it matters really a hill of beans, what your system is if your hurling is lacking that sharpness. Clare were much sharper in their hurling. Connor is right that, you know, they were clever enough not to put the ball down on on top of Sean Murphy, but you even look at the ball that Sean Murphy got, his use of it was poor. Wexford just weren't at the races physically or in terms of their hurling on Saturday night. That's the biggest issue for Davy. People will go on about the, the sweeper system, but like if you look at their hurling for the first 40 minutes against Kilkenny and Nolan Park, a lot of it was sensational. And a lot of that was with bodies bombing forward from defence. So I don't think it's about a system for Wexford. I think it's about the standard of their hurling and the quality of their hurling. It just wasn't up to scratch. John, are you going to come in? Yeah, no, I totally agree with uh, Vincent. I mean... It's it's easy to blame a system when 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 a team loses. I mean, you look and look at the Sunday game last night. Podge Collins was nearly out playing as as a third midfielder. Graham Mulcahy against Kilkenny was nearly back in his own half back line. Uh, the winning score for Limerick, Tom Morrissey, he gathered the ball. He was forty five yards from his own goal. I mean, Kilkenny over the years, Brian Hogan was sitting in front of his D. Uh, I mean, it's 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 not called a sweeper, but other other teams are 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 you know going with, with systems without without the word sweeper. So I totally agree with uh, Vincent. I think the main thing from a Wexford point of view, and I, I worked on a Wexford, I think the Wexford supporters really have to stay behind Dave, you know. I don't think they can, after one bad result, they can just kick him under the bus. Stay behind him. He's a very good manager. Uh, I'd, I'd have good time for him. I think he's, he's a top-class manager. Uh, this time 12 months ago, I mean, let's, let's be honest with you, 18 months ago, where were Wexford? Where are Wexford? I mean, he's bringing the X Factor back to Wexford Horn. And there's no, no better man that will go home. He would have went home uh, Saturday night and he would have been kicking himself. I know, I know the man. I, I thought he really had a go the weekend. And I thought he would really have a go against the weekend against Clare. But he'll go home. He'll overlook the whole, the whole year. And if there needs a bit of tweaking here and there, there's no better man to, to tweak things than, than David Fisher. He's a very, very shrewd operator. And I think Wexford people... They need to stay behind Davy. They need to stay behind the Wexford project because I, I think, uh, you know, Wexford can push on to the next level. I mean, within a short space of time, 18 months, he's done an incredible job. 
Uh, and look, at the end of the day, sometimes it has to go back to the individual players themselves. They didn't win enough battles on, on Saturday. And some of the players have to look at themselves and say, did I do enough for Davy uh, over the course of the summer, over the, over the course of, of the year? It's easy blame the system. It's easy blame the manager. And I think a lot of the, some of these Wexford players have to look at themselves in the mirror and say, did I, did I give enough for the cause? And I think what Davy will do, he will review the year. And one thing he will do, I don't think he'll go um, as hard on the league next year. I, you know, I think they went heavy in November and December. I think he'll look at that. He'll look back in the last few years and say, right, where, where we've been flying it in, in March, April and coming into the championship. And maybe we need to tweak our, our training here and there. But what I would say, and working down at Wexford, and I would say to the Wexford supporters, Stay behind this project, stay behind Davy, and hopefully uh, in 12 months' time, they will get over the line and they will win the quarterfinal. John Connor, Vincent, thanks so much for joining me. No problem. Thank you. So it's time for ladies' football now, and I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by Ashling Maloney, Tipperary star. Ashling, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Mill, for having me here today. No, my pleasure. Um, obviously, Tipperary got their All Ireland series underway over the weekend against Kerry. Unfortunately, you came out in the wrong end of the result, but. You still were very competitive in the game. You got off to a very good start. What's your overall feelings after the game? Yeah, look, I suppose it's our first year up senior and we're a very young team, kind of. It's our, it was our first time playing Kerry as well, so it was very unknown territory to us. But um, I suppose we held them for the first half and 10 minutes coming into the end of the first half, then they just bombarded us with goals and points and we were kind of chasing the game from that on. So, But look, I suppose we've you've to learn your lessons. Like The minute you make a mistake, it's in the back of net or it's over the bar the other end. So I suppose just as time goes on, we might start learning, picking up little things like that and preventing them from happening the next day. Yeah, have you found... The, the jump from intermediate to senior, like, how have you found that overall? Is there a noticeable difference? As you mentioned, if you make a small mistake in an intermediate game, you mightn't get punished, but if it happens in a senior game against a team like Kerry, they will make you pay. Yeah, it's been quite weird, actually. The year has been really weird. It's just, you look at yourself playing teams like Tyrone last year and barely beating them and then coming up against Kerry and only losing, well, we lost, but we only losing by five points. And it's just, I feel like as a team, we've stepped up to the mark of it. But um, yeah, no, definitely the physicality and everything like yesterday. You can see here, my legs are bent off me. <laughs> like, um, definitely the, physica the physicality and everything is totally different. It's another level up. Yeah, no one can see Ashling, but you a very, <laughs> very badly bruised leg, if you want to describe yeah. how you got that. Um, yeah, well, I suppose like, the hard ground there at the minute it's like cement, but um, no, like I suppose that's a drop against now. Like, you need to work, you're even working to win the ball and you're working to get past where you're working for a score. Whereas last year, you kind of had somewhat easy, like you had that bit of time on the ball, but up this year now, you don't, you've only milliseconds. But do you feel like the team has, um, I guess, improved or grown from the extra competition or the tougher matches? Yeah, I suppose like we have come a long way and there has been a lot of expectations on us coming into senior this year. Like everyone thought we were going to light up the championship and we probably kind of taught ourselves as well. Like we still have a kind of survival next weekend we're playing Donegal. But um, I suppose we kind of have to sit back ourselves. We are a very competitive group and we kind of just need to realise like that this isn't going to happen with the lick of the fingers, that it's going to take time. Like Dublin weren't to win All-Ireland the year they went up. It took them a few years trying to beat Cork and that and now they're kind of on a run at the minute and probably looking likely to win one again this year. But um, yeah, no, definitely it is. I think the looking back like to last year and then this year, like it is a different story altogether. And Dundee next weekend, you guys got a tough group for your first uh, your first All Ireland series. 
Yeah, we did. Got a very tough group, actually, although I prefer to meet in Dosa than meet in the dubs. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, like I suppose personally and with the girls and all, we do like challenges. And I suppose if you're going to play a team, you may as well play them at group level and instead of meeting them on. I think even the lads are talking about the men's matches. Like if you're going to beat a team, like if Monaghan are going to beat Kerry, they're going to beat them next weekend and that's it. I don't think it needs to take to another in semi-final or in final stage to beat a team. And um, I suppose, yeah, it's a challenge and it's a learning, learning stage for us as well and prepares again now for next year going into Division 1. So what's the build-up going to be like for the Donegal game, you know, in terms of training? Because obviously when you have games in quick succession like this on consecutive weekends, I imagine it's, it's a little different to when you have a long time or a long lead-up to it. Yeah, um, it's got probably we got news there going into dress from the last and one of our main players, Jennifer Grant, did her Achilles. So our approach will be much different now in terms of game plan going in against Donegal. Like it was an awful blow to hear that before the Kerry game. Um, she'd be the centre of our, our game plan. Like, but I suppose we've approached that differently. And even the ground is so hard at the minute. Like even I'm still aching and painting after Saturday. So I suppose recovery and stuff like that during the week try and maximise that to get the better better best out of ourselves on Saturday. And is there anything anything you you kind of maybe would like to learn from the Kerry experience to put into practice against Donegal, like any areas you feel that you guys could improve on to maybe get the win this weekend? Yeah, maybe up front to go at them more. Like it always, at one stage I looked at the score and I was like, okay, I think we kind of have them. And next thing I looked again and I was like, no, they're slipping away. Do you know, mm. it's just, I suppose it's mistakes is the main thing. Like you're crucified. If you make a mistake, you're just crucified and that's it. And you've only like our reaction time to a senior team's reaction time is that bit less. And I suppose when we make a mistake, they react and it's a score. So I suppose it's something that we need to learn going into next weekend. And obviously you want to get the win against Donegal, but even regardless of that result, it's been like a phenomenal couple of years for Tipperary football. You know, promotion, back-to-back -back promotions in the league, you know, getting up to senior level in the championship. You know, there must be a great buzz around the team at the moment. Yeah, um, I was actually just thinking back there four years ago, um, just kind of marrying what happened in Mayo there during the week. But I'm um, thinking back four years ago, Tipperary didn't have a team like... Um, couldn't get girls to play and then three years ago like a three year process we're up division one now and how that ha has happened all of a sudden and I suppose even last year going into me dollar and like there wasn't much there actually wasn't really that much of a buzz around tip like and I suppose it's the same with tip football men like you have to win something before you're actually recognised and we knew that we needed to win that all Ireland just to be recognised in tip amongst the men but both genders like but um yeah I know definitely this year now we really noticed this year when we're up senior everyone's paying attention like you're walking down the streets back home and they're asking about the game and do you know, everyone autographs oh no not that <laughs> um, everyone seems to have, have a great buzz even about ladies football in general it's not just Tipperary like I seem like even being in here today like there's great enthusiasm about it all now yeah it's funny because I guess when you think of the Tipperary uh, men's football team you do think that they're in like the shadow of the hurlers would it be similar like would the, would the Camogie team be more popular just because hurling is more popular in Tipperary um, it's kind of really divisional and tip down south. I'm from the south tip, so it's south football and north hurling. Like even the likes of Owen Kelly, who played with Tip years ago for hurling, like it would have been a great honour for him to play with Tipperary because you're kind of looked upon on tip like north and south kind of thing. But um, no, I think in terms of girls, ladies football is probably bigger and more dominant than Camogie, and then the men's obviously hurling is. But um, even if you look, I actually couldn't get to that game. The men, the lads are playing against Mayo. But all I was wishing, like if they had bet Mayo that day, what the turnaround would have been in sport for them the next day they're out. Like I don't, I think they're outnumbered with Mayo supporters, and it's the same for us, I suppose, going into a match. Do you know, it's kind of I actually can feel I actually have the same kind of thoughts as what the men's probably have, and trying to get the sport behind us, and knowing you have to win to do that. 
And ladies football does seem to be growing. You mentioned it just there, you know, if you look at the crowds that come in for the All Ireland final in Croke Park, like they're phenomenal by worldwide standards when it comes to women's sport. Like, does it feel like it, it's, has, has that been trickling down, do you think, or is that just the final day? Um, it, I think it is part and parcel final day. Um, like, we, we wouldn't get numbers in a league match now at all whatsoever. Now, some, like you have Dublin who have a massive population, they'd gather a few league games and stuff like that. But um, no, it definitely is increasing. Like, And I suppose you kind of have to reach out and get women to start supporting their own their own sport. Like you go to a men's match and you see, I don't know how many women at the match and they have the jerseys in the whole lot, but yet they won't go and support their own ladies. Like, So I suppose you kind of need to start targeting their own gender and get start getting them to start supporting their own sport first before they go to men's. But obviously that's a massive challenge and will take time. Like. And just for your, your own personal year, you've had a great year with DCU as well. You won the O'Connor Cup. You were a big part of that. So football's been going really well for you too. Yeah, um, it's actually, I actually said to someone yesterday, it's actually probably been the most enjoyable year of football I've ever had in my life. Um, um, we went from winning the league in DCU to win the O'Connor Cup and we we didn't have a loss with them. Flip around then a few months later, won the Division 2. Um, just after coming off with an, all- an All-Ireland final, intermediate final with them. And I suppose back home at club now, we've won our first round of championship. And I suppose we lost our game to Cork there about two months ago in Kerry. But like I actually don't really mind. I enjoy the step up and I enjoy the, channel- the challenge. It's kind of, even I'm living with a group of girls in college and the f- one's playing for Cav and Mayo, Manahan and Kerry. And it's kind of, do you know, last year I felt out of the, out of the loop like when they were <laughs> talking about the senior matches. But this year now I feel like, do you know, I wish I could come up, come up against them now and have a go with them. Like, do you know, kind of Yeah, that's funny. Like, I know one of your housemates is Sarah Rowe, obviously playing for Mayo. She had a great weekend as well, scoring 1-7 against Cavan. Like, is there a bit of banter or a bit of competitiveness even, like, you know, living with, with some other footballers? I know, there isn't really, like, and I suppose anyone, do you know, they are your best friends at the end of the day and football does get put aside. Put aside but I suppose um, I come up against Ashton Sheridan there. She she was playing for Cav and she, I'm living with her as well. And it is a bit weird, like, you know, it's kind of a bit, you know, I'd be very chill, but they'd be a bit now yeah. a bit um, more serious. But um, What's the yeah, build-up no, like in the house? Like, would you be talking to each other normally or would you just be, like, going, <laughs> like I don't know, eating your dinner in separate rooms? Uh, like, I'd be having the crack. Like, I wouldn't kind of, you know, I, I'd take it very lightly, but they'd be a bit serious, wouldn't be saying too much about the match, which i get a crack off too. You know, it's a bit of banter, but I suppose that's what it's all about. Like, I was at a, um, an event there, I did, yes, and I was talking to a few parents and they were just saying, like it's not only sport like it's a friends like I wouldn't have known them girls only for playing sport and it's a community outside that like ma- my mom had an operation her back there a few years ago and people from the J community are bringing meals to the house like, and it's not even just about playing the sport it's about the wider community and having friendships and building and getting to know people from other counties I know Sarah Rose going out with Sean O'Brien now. Is he even around the house much? So you get, do you get any advice for being a top-class sports person? I uh, know, sure. I'd only give him a bait and if he came around. I <laughs> uh, know. Asher, he's gas. He's a lovely fella. And um, Asher, the two of them now, they're, they're a great crack together. They bounce off each other well. <laughs> it was an interesting situation over the weekend where Orlo Dwyer had to play, obviously, both codes in one day. You know, that's a phenomenal kind of fair play to her for doing it, but it must have been very frustrating for her as well. Yeah, it's something that really, really needs to be looked at. And I suppose, like, if ladies, sports in general, anything wants to progress forward, like, you need to kind of stop it at the basics and stop that kind of petty things going on. Like, two matches in one day is absolutely lethal. Like, but, um, no, after the game, even I had Atlanta Orla and she was physically drained. Like, you could even see it in her eyes, and Orla would never be like that. And I just thought to myself, oh my God, the poor girl happened to go play another match. And it was only within an hour. Like, she'd rush down, she didn't even get into warm riding, she'd rush down to go play that match. 
And um, but look, I suppose she made no. I'd be probably seen on the. She was talking to a few journalists, and she made no big deal of it. But like deep down inside her, like you know, it's not player welfare and that. It needs to be really glanced at and taken a good look at. Yeah, like could you imagine what would it be like, like to put into context? What would it be like? Do you think playing two games in one day like that would it be ridiculously tough on your body? Would you say? Yeah, well, like going from well, two games were equally as important. Like um, do you know, we kind of had to win ours as well. Well, we have to win one in our group to prevent relegation battle and I suppose they're in an awful they need to win theirs as well against Offaly so you know, two tough games you're kind of I personally myself I know I'd be in the first game and I'd be thinking ahead to ne next game you'd be kind of half mind yourself but it's very mentally draining like it's physically draining as well and I suppose um, you know if ladies football and Camogie want to progress forward they need to look at this and it's about getting the benefit out of, out of your player your dual player and reckon, like they get reckon, recognition like you know ladies football for working on working with the dual player and so do Camogie so it also bounces off them as well like that they're looking after player welfare. So I suppose it's something that they need to look at. And what what's the ultimate goal for Tipperary football? Like it's been such an upward trajectory over the last couple of years. Like how, how well do you think you guys could do at senior level? Like could you, is, is there an All-Ireland, do you think, in the team? Well, I suppose um, we started off three years ago kind of hoping to win Division 3 and then we started out this year maybe getting to an All-Ireland, started out this year then just literally the aim was to stay up in Division 2, ended up winning it, which was <laughs> great crack. But um, I know like it's going to take time. Like um, you, We can see ourselves from being up senior now. And so even playing Kerry the other day, our first game against him was really weird. Like, you know, you kind of always... In what way? Just going out on the pitch, you don't know. Even one of the girls asked me, do you know, how do you think you're fixed? And I was like, it's really weird, like, because I've never played them. I don't know them, like, you know, it's weird going out playing against a team that you don't know. But um, yeah, I know we'll take things at a step at a time and see how we go and... Thankfully, things are going in a positive direction and not a negative. Yeah, is it da was it daunting playing like a team you know carry like such a rich history like in tradition? Yeah, it is. It's weird, all right. You know, no matter how you know if how bad or good they are, there's always that tradition there, and they always have the football in their genes. Like, but um, yeah, no, it is even even underage. Looking at the underage girls in Tipperary and seeing them. Um, competing against the likes of Kerry and Cork like it actually puts the hair standing back my neck so I remember when we were that age like it's just this tradition and tip that you're kind of you know coming up against Cork and Kerry so you've no hope against them and it's brilliant to see the young ones like being um, positive and thinking that they can beat them and they're only right to because they lost by two of them by two or three points in in um, championship stage. Yeah, have you found that your success with the senior ladies team is is there like a buzz about like underage ladies football as well? Has that kind of fed down into the younger generation? Yeah, I suppose it's with any country that wins. Um, definitely has like even we're at camps this week back in back in tip um, me and a few of the girls are running camps and I suppose you can even see the girls they know about the match they know about everything like they know everyone who's there and you don't even have to introduce yourself and I suppose even the younger girls as well they're coming to our matches the whole time and after league final the under 16s and under 14 team were there so it's brilliant to see and I suppose look um, we're going to rely on them in a few years time to be playing with us so you know you kind of need to look after your underage as well not just focus on the one um, adult team and just before I let you go, I don't know, I'll get you to predict your own game this weekend. Tip versus Donegal, how do you think it'll go? Um, well, Donegal kind of are kind of rated as given all our contenders this year. Um, 
I suppose it's going to be a tough one. Um, now, without Jen as well in our game plan, it's going to be a bit tough to kind of suss around them. That full forward line they have, Charlie McLaughlin and them, oh my God, they're a lethal bunch. But um, sure, look, like, it's it's a challenge. You know, we've nothing to lose. We'll go out and give it all and just see what way the match goes. Well, best of luck, Ashley, and I really appreciate you coming in. Cheers, thanks, William. And that's all we have time for in the throne this week. Thank you for listening, and we will be back next Monday with another podcast looking back on all the football action in the meantime, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening, and goodbye.